Welcome to a Dying Podcast. This episode, um, I'll not start by stating my name for once. <laughs> if you've listened to this before, you know what my name is. But I'm choosing not to state it because I want to I wanna try something today. I want to try to present a simple argument proving that God exists and that you are God and that I'm God too. So I'm not a religious expert. I am not the type of philosopher who's read a lot and know what everybody's already said. I'm definitely not a scientist. So I'm not an expert education-wise in any of these fields, which means um, that it's very likely that there'll be holes in this argument and feel free to point those out uh, because I enjoy thinking about these things. And um, wherever you see a fault in my line of thinking here, feel free to correct me. It'd be fantastic. Um, so the way I'm going to try to prove it is by just simple, simple argumentation. I'll, I'll, I'll tap into quantum physics, which is definitely not something I'm an expert in. But I've read a little bit about it I've listened to some podcasts, I've watched some YouTube clips, <laughs> and, um, well, it brought up this this line of thinking within me, and um, I wanted to share it, um, because at least to me, it makes sense. It's sort of, it's a way of using science to explain what I've already, what I'm already experiencing in the in the spiritual and philosophical realm. And I think why that potentially is important. It's not important to prove the existence of of God, uh, really. I mean, fine. It's <laughs> it's the constant argument, right, among human beings. But it's not important to prove prove a point, prove that I'm right. What I feel is important is that I think it's a sign of the times trying to combine spirituality with science. I think that's an overarching trend and pattern in society right now. And that I think is an important one because I think it's the foundation for the next phase of human development is to create a lot of bridges in between things like this. So anyway, let's see. So if I'm trying to prove the existence of God and that you and I are God, well, I need to prove a couple of things, right? Um, I'm trying to prove that that is true. So, well, maybe before we go into truth, let's talk about the definition of God, because that would be an important aspect of this, trying to argue for God's existence. So there's tons of different definitions of God. Um, I'm not going to use any literary one from any of the religious texts describing uh, a man <laughs> in heaven or some some place like that, uh, calling all the shots. Um, but one fairly common way of describing "quote unquote" God, you could call it source, you could call it whatever you want, but let's just use God for for this uh, episode. Would be the creator of all things, or the creator of the universe, or the universe itself. Somewhere along those lines. Um, so, you know, the creator of everything. Let's, let's use that. Creator of everything. God. Well, first, we need to prove that truth exists. And by the way, I'm not going to 
I don't think I have an original thought here uh, at all. I haven't Googled this. I'm sure thousands of people have already, you know, seen this pattern as well. Um, but it doesn't really matter. And I'm going to be borrowing stuff. So one thing that I borrowed, uh, that I am borrowing is from Jed McKenna. <clears throat> I've used this previously in previous episodes. And I think it's just such a beautiful way to prove that tr truth exists, which would be a first step here. Does truth exist? Can anything, can we prove that truth exists? That something is actually true? Uh, and yes, we can by using our own language. So if I say nothing is true or, or there is no such thing as truth, then those sentences would have to be true <laughs> uh, for truth not to exist. So, you know, that sentence in itself actually proves the existence of truth. If I say there's no such thing as truth, then I would have to speak truth for that to be true, you know, and that, you know, it's true. <laughs> so yes, <clears throat> step one, truth exists. Now, question two, what is true? And this can be put into different words. Um, it's really hard, actually, to prove that anything is true. Uh, the only thing that I can say uh, is that I am conscious or I am experiencing consciousness or I am observing existence. You know, words like that. Or I am, or I am this, and by this I mean everything that I'm observing. <clears throat> it's really hard to prove anything beyond that point. I can't prove who I, in that sentence, is. But I am experiencing an observation. I am observing. I have all of these senses. I can't prove that they're actually there. I can't prove that anyone but me is conscious. I think. Other creatures are. <laughs> a lot of things are pointing <laughs> to that, but I can't really prove it. It could all be within my dream. I could be dreaming all of this and then everything would be me. I would be all of these objects and characters and <clears throat> everything around me, but I'd still be observing it, right? So the observation, that there is an observation <clears throat> and as a result that I am the observer of this observation, that to me at least, I can say is true. So I am observing. I'm the observer of this observation that you could call life or existence or whatever. Everything else within that existence, I can't actually prove to be true. And we could stop here. It would be kind of boring. Yeah, that's actually, you know, where you would stop. Uh, but since we are in this existence and we're doing a lot of observing, that, that seems to be everything we do, actually. <laughs> Now, um, we try to figure this out. I mean, we are born as children, and all we do is observe ourselves and everything around us and trying to figure it out, trying to like master it or understand it. And then we grow up, and in school, that's what we do. We try to learn and observe, and then we get jobs, which are all about the same thing, observing, exploring. <clears throat> Basically, every job is about that. Either the job itself is about exploration and understanding and, you know, creating new things or understanding things, talking about things, writing about things, singing songs about things. Um, or the jobs are about, you know, prolonging the lifespan so that we can explore more, so we have more time to explore and supporting this entire society 
of exploration, you know, let's support all the societal structures so it keeps working so we can all live longer and explore more. That's basically what we're doing. And we, we explore, you know, a simplified way of looking at it would be saying that, well, we, as human beings, we tend to look out into the night sky and into space and try to explore space. And, you know, we haven't explored that much of space yet, but we have these telescopes and we send out satellites and we try to figure out what it is, what it looks like and how it all, you know, fits together. And out in space, we have these celestial bodies. We have asteroids and planets and all sorts of things sort of, you know, flying around and swirling around each other and being impacted by forces that making some of these huge balls out in space be connected to each other and they spin around each other. And then another thing we do is that we sort of look down, we use microscopes and we study tiny, 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 tiny things <laughs> within our own bodies, within any kind of matter around us. <clears throat> and we find molecules and atoms and electrons and quarks and things become tinier and tinier and call these things particles. And they also behave in, in this kind of way where, you know, they spin around each other. Some of them are attracted to each other. Others are repelled by each other and they have these forces sort of you know directing uh, the life of these particles and then in between we have ourselves and stuff around us of you know mid-size <laughs> so other people for instance or animals and we study them too uh, in psychology and social sciences and we try to figure out you know how does a person work what is this thing called the human being and you could look at us as particles as well. You know, we're attracted to certain other people and places and food and repelled by others. You know, we have these forces that are sort of guiding and guiding our behavior and, and, and directing our lives. So it's kind of similar way, in a way, all of this, if you simplify it. So within all of this constant observation and exploration, I think that when you look at science and you look at quantum physics, that's one of the areas where, you know, there's been a lot of exploration into these tiny, tiny, tiny things we call particles. But in that field, there's been some really interesting breakthroughs that have basically created the field of quantum physics. And quantum physics is something that, you know, <clears throat> there's a lot to it. So obviously it takes years and years to master it, and I'm by no means a master of it. But there are certain, you know, stated facts, uh, once again, you know, anything that's true beyond this point is true within our current society. I can't actually prove that it's true, but scientists within this dream we call life are, you know, proving this. It could still all be a dream, but within the dream, this is true. So one of those truths is <clears throat> it's connected to the these particles that when I went to school, we uh, read in the in the books that, you know, tiny particles are tiny balls and that, you know, sort of circle around other balls and they connect to certain balls and they become bigger particles which are just bigger balls and then it you know keeps growing like that so goes into into um, molecules and and then you know grows into cells and then organs and entire organisms etc <clears throat> but when you look at quantum physics what quantum physics has shown is that particles are very very interesting and there's this famous experiment called the double slit experiment which is sort of the foundation of quantum physics i won't go through the entire experience i'll probably not do it justice i'll probably explain it in a way that's that's not perfectly true but basically what it shows us is that a particle 
is not just a particle. It's actually a wave, a complete wave function of possibilities. So the wave holds all the various possible locations of this particle. It's only when we observe the particle that it actually has a specific location. So when it's not being observed, it's just sort of everywhere in a wave form, so to speak. Which is very, very cool um, and connects to the topic at hand. So, and this is called superposition, which means a particle can be in multiple places at once. And, and it could be like huge distances apart, doesn't matter. So it's, it's actually just like a wave. You could think of a particle as a drop. And if you look at the drop, you only see the drop. But when it's not being observed, it's actually a wave. And then obviously, all of these particles, you know, we're made of these particles. And the celestial bodies and planets are made of these particles. Everything is made, built from these tiny little particles. So in that sense, everything is connected through these particles. Because the particles form a wave of possibilities, possible positions of the particles. And all of these possible positions of particles, it's not only just superposition that they could be, you know, multiple places at once, they're also entangled, which means that they're connected. So if something happens to one of these particles, they've shown it for electrons, they even showed it for neurons in the brain, it happens to all of the particles connected to that wave at the same time. It doesn't matter if you put them apart and put one in the Faraday's cage you know, or put them in different places in the universe. Whatever happens to one particle happens to the other particle at the same time because it's actually just one particle as a wave. Hopefully this makes some sort of sense. Um, but um, if you want to learn more, check out the double slit experiment and look into uh, the wave function and particles. What's really interesting about this test it, is the observation. So it's only when observed that the particle actually, you know, the wave collapses into a particle into a certain position. So the observation collapses the wave function into a particle, into matter, which means the observation creates the particle, it creates the matter. So the act of observing creates the particle being observed. I think you see what I'm getting at here. So if we know that the only truth, well, F, one, truth exists. Two, I am the observer in an observation. There is an observation <laughs> and I'm the observer. And then quantum physics is showing us that, you know, the observation is actually the creator. The observer creates the observation. And it's the observation that creates matter, creates particles. So science has showed that this is true for fairly large particles, but, you know, it still takes time to prove that it's true all across the board. Why would it be more or less impossible, at least with our current science, to prove that this is true for a particle of the size of a human being? Well, obviously, because the human being is constantly observing itself. I'm constantly observing myself. So it's really hard for me <laughs> to run a test where I'm not observing myself. And we're, we're simply not there yet. But it would make sense that this is true all across the board because we're all made out of these particles, out of these wave functions. So, you know, it's a drop and a wave at the same time, but also it's the entire ocean at the same time.
And this is interesting because, you know, just going through these three steps, yes, truth exists. What I know, what I can prove to be true um, from my point of view is this experience that I'm having. I am observing. I am the observer observing. And then what the hell this is that I'm observing is really hard to prove. And then step three, quantum physics is actually telling us and has proven that the observer slash the observation creates matter. So everything we experience around us is the creation of me as an observer, which means the observer is God, right? It's the creator of everything, creator of all matter. That's the observer. What do I know as the only truth is that I am the observer. (laughs) So actually, the only thing you can actually argue to be true is that you're God. (laughs) Anything else is really hard to prove. It's actually fairly simple, at least using this line of thought, to prove that you're God. Well, that's cool, you know. It's nice to put an end to that, uh, you know, confusion or question, like what is God, who is God, where is God? I'm God, you're God. Creator of everything through sheer observation. But what does that lead to? Well, in my mind, it leads to two things. Being God brings both opportunity and responsibility. So my observation is the creator of everything. Okay, so that means I'm God. Okay, how do I do this? How do I create everything? Well, by observing. Okay, what are my tools then? How can I actually act as God? Not just know that I am God. How can I actually start acting as God, creating everything through observation? Well, obviously, by using the tools I have for observation. So I have thoughts, for instance. I have emotions. I have these senses. I have eyesight. I can hear. You know, I can touch things. And I can smell things. And I can taste things. So I have a lot of tools at hand to create the observation. And obviously, by starting to work with these tools, I can deliberately create the observation. So this is interesting. So basically, you know, <clears throat> if we keep keep speaking about this from the scientific point of view, and we have these tiny, tiny particles, they interact with each other, um, there's electrical charges between them. And I've covered this pre- in previous episodes that, you know, this, this distinction, this contrast that is the foundation for everything we're experiencing, this duality slash polarity is built on this. It's like a it's a plus and a, a, a minus pole. And in between you have a charge, which is the experience. So you need to have good and bad to experience everything. You need to have darkness and light to experience life, death, and so on. <clears throat> so it's basically just like an electrical charge, like an electrical current, a frequency, a vibration, <clears throat> which means uh, all these tiny particles, they, they have an electromagnetic field, which means I, as a human being, I have an electromagnetic magnetic field which is the result of well all of these tools that i have at hand so whenever i move my body it impacts the electrical uh, electromagnetic field whenever i think something that's an electrical charge in my in my brain it impacts my electromagnetic field same goes with emotions so i have these tools for bringing information in and then filtering it through my system so i basically bring information in using uh, all of my senses i filter it 
through my thoughts and my emotions and then emotion triggering a thought which triggers an emotion and so on and so forth which basically you know it creates my experience of everything but it also creates the vibration and the frequency of my electromagnetic field so what's really cool is that if i look at myself as a particle knowing that i'm in superposition and entangled it means that whatever i do using my tools of thought and emotions and movements for instance to impact my electromagnetic field as a particle to change my electromagnetic field it has a lot of impact it both impacts all the other superpositions of the particle that is me which means i'm impacting my path my past my future and all other potential possible positions of the particle nils which would basically mean you know all the other nilses in a multiverse are impacted but what i'm doing right now and since i'm also in this huge electromagnetic field that we could call life or existence and everything around me has an electromagnetic field and everything is vibration and frequencies i also impact all of these objects you know you could call them particles around me so for instance when a person comes into a room and there are other people there whoever has the sort of strongest vibration the strongest you know for instance emotional expression at the moment science shows that it takes about a minute like 60 seconds for emotions to transfer in between individuals so we basically infect each other with our emotional states which i think we can all <laughs> attest to that if someone comes in and really really grumpy we start feeling grumpy after a while it's hard to, to sort of fight that off because that vibration is really strong and then our electromagnetic field gets impacted by that person's electromagnetic field that's how we impact each other and we impact each other through words and facial expressions and movements and all of these things so my electromagnetic field impacts myself my past self my present self my future self all the other potential selves that exists in the multiverse of myself but also everyone around me and everything around me so basically means i impact the entire universe the entire multiverse even <clears throat> and i do it in such a simple way i do it through my own thoughts and my own emotional states and my own actions it's really cool so by looking at things like that you understand that yes you're god and yes you have the power to impact everything through your observation and how you choose to filter things and how you choose to think your thoughts and feel your emotions and this is partly why the work of, of dr joe dispenza is really interesting who argues that by deliberately creating your future into your present right now you actually create your future so his line of argument is that most people live we live in our past because something happened at some point creates a memory an emotional memory and then something similar happens for instance you know i wake up late and then my first thought is i am late and then that triggers an emotional memory of someone at some point you know being mad with me for being late or telling me that it's wrong to be late sometime in my past my my entire electromagnetic field my body and mind has been taught to have a certain emotional reaction to being late so this has actually not happened yet i just have the thought i have a fact 
I wake up at 9 a.m. I was supposed to wake up at 8 a.m., which means I am late. So I think I am late. And then I trigger an emotional response from my past into my present. So I feel like shit. And that triggers the thought, shit, I don't feel good because I'm late. And then that becomes sort of a vicious loop, right? And that, what does that do? Well, it impacts my electromagnetic field. So I walk into my day sending out this signal of not feeling good because I'm late, which obviously impacts, as we've just seen, everything around me, including my future. So I basically walk around in my past, recreating it as my future. Because it's really hard to break out of these things. And then what happens in the body after a while, because we have these receptors on our, our cells and something called neuropeptides, is that our body, after having had the same experience over and over, the same thoughts, the same emotions, the same thoughts, the same emotions, this could, you know, could translate into anything in your life. You could be depressed, you could be feeling anxiety, you could be feeling stress, whatever it is. We tend to repeat these patterns so often that they sort of get engraved into our system. And this is what happens with the receptors and the neuropeptides uh, on the cells. So the cells basically start killing off all the other receptors. They're only, uh, you know, they get so used to receiving the same kind of emotional stimuli over and over that everything falls off. And that creates an addiction. Because now this is the only thing that the cell is craving because it's used to craving this thing. So we can get really addicted to our own emotional states. And if that is anxiety, sadness, grief, depression, anger, frustration, whatever it is, you know, then our future will be filled with those things because we've relived our past and triggered our past so many times that it will become our future. Because then that creates our electromagnetic field that creates the frequency and the vibration through ourselves within ourselves and out into the world and not just the world in the present moment but also our future and back into our past and into the multiverse of all the superpositions of ourselves that are entangled throughout this entire quantum field or unified field whatever you want to call it so this is really interesting and this is then where for instance meditation comes in as this magical tool of acting god in your experience in your reality because if you can bring yourself to a place where you don't have to repeat your past where you don't have to trigger these thoughts and emotions by ba basically creating a blank canvas so in deep meditation where there's no time and your sense of identity sort of evaporates and you're in this sort of empty space of just noticing just being, not repeating your past, not thinking about what you have to do tomorrow and all of these things. It's actually a perfect place to create your future now as you want it. So you can use a specific intention of well-designed thought, a detailed thought, and trigger an emotional state, which would be the result of that thought. So if you think, my future, in my future, I've healed this disease. And that will make me feel in a certain way, joy, gratefulness, or something like that. You trigger that in the deep meditative state. It becomes your present now. You basically get to experience a future as if it has already happened. Just like you're experiencing your past as if it is happening again as your future. You know? So you can actually take control of these things. 
which is really cool. So if you look into the story of Joe Dispenza and what he did to heal himself, uh, it's just a crazy cool example of this. And there are many examples of this where you use your willpower and your thought and your emotional states to basically create the future that you want to have, whatever that entails. This is actually placebo in medicine, right? You think it's going to work, so it works. And I'm, I'm not trying to sound as this, you know, just think positive and everything will be fine. But if you look at, at, at science and quantum physics, this is actually how it all connects, right? This is how thoughts and emotions and movements and actions and words and, and all of these things, they create vibrations and frequencies which are connected to all the other vibrations and frequencies. And they're actually unbound by time, which means they exist everywhere at all times. So basically, hopefully, <laughs> you follow this, this, um, this reasoning, because to me at least, it's a very simple way to understand that I am God. And the reality that I'm experiencing, I'm, I'm God in this reality. And you're God in your reality. We're just like an infinite number of viewpoints of consciousness or God <laughs> or absolute truth or source or whatever you want to call it, which by observing itself, which is basically what we're doing, it creates everything. So observation creates the experience of everything. So I'm God, you're God. Every point in the universe is God because every viewpoint is God. And everything that's interacting with something else is then conscious because it is being impacted by forces. It is registering something, right? And that is an observation, which means everything is God. And God is everything. So I'm God, you're God. <laughs> and I think that's it. <laughs> Would love to hear your thoughts on this. And, um, and my name is Nils. <laughs> Have a lovely week, guys, and hopefully you'll hear me again next week. Take care.